story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I
of the Lamb tonight. Take your Bibles for a little while tonight. I want to preach to you. Matthew chapter 14. Hadn't it been good to be in God's house already? Matthew chapter 14 will not be long tonight. Matthew chapter 14. Good. Thank you, visitors, for coming on in. Good to see you. Mostly familiar faces, and I appreciate that. And uh, some from years gone by and some from new friends that we met the other day. We praise the Lord for that. And uh, thank you, Ensemble, by the way. Thank you. We didn't plan that extra song, but I'm glad we did it. And that helped me get ready, preach. I thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your oversight in that. And I appreciate your leadership in in that manner. Matthew chapter number 14, the Bible says this, and we'll jump right into the message and pray and and to jump right into this passage, the Bible says, in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when they had sent the multitudes away, he went into a, up into a high mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus said unto them, Jesus came unto them, excuse me, walking on the sea. Bible says he went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is the spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them and said, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou... Bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, what's this word? And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to who? But when he saw the what? Boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, do what? Save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. They that were on the ship, were in the ship, came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. I'll pray momentarily, but we find this. We read the scriptures, and even sometimes when we preach the scriptures, preacher, you and I have been discussing this a a little bit at length since we've been here on biblical context and and some of those issues with uh, those who would uh, not adhere to biblical context principles. But we've talked about this a little bit. And many times when we read the Bible, we kind of fill in the story in our own minds. And we kind of know because it's kind of familiar ground even so that we kind of we make up the rest of the story and we kind of fill in things and sometimes the things aren't even there. Or sometimes a well-meaning songwriter will fill in the gap and we think that's actually what the Bible says. When I read this story and used to preach this story, here's what I pictured happened in the scriptures. Jesus sends them away and he says, I want you to go to the other side and at the Sea of Galilee or Gennesaret as it's called many times in the scripture there. And uh, he said, I want you to go over the other side. He's praying. He sent the multitudes out away from him that were thronging him and following him. And he sent that multitude away. And all of a sudden he says, I'm going to go pray in a mountain over here. I want you fellas to meet me on the other side. And in the fourth watch of the night, in the midnight hour, if you will, The Bible says, Jesus came unto them walking on the water. 
And I picture him coming out there. Now, listen, I, I'd like to think I'm as, as, as spiritual as I can possibly be. Well, that's a lie. And I'm as spiritual as, you know, some folks. And uh, I'd like to think, boy, I would have saw Jesus and I would have been like, oh, this is wonderful. Come over here. But they, much like me, were like, there's a ghost out there somewhere. And don't act so spiritual. If you saw a ghost, well, I mean, you saw somebody walking on water. I mean, unless it's, I mean, this is Canada, so it might be frozen water. But uh, Jesus was on a hockey rink that night. No, I'm just kidding. But the Bible said that he came walking on the water and they were afraid. And they said, it's a spirit. And I picture the man being frightened. And I always pictured men like this. I always pictured them being scared and being frightened. And all of a sudden, uh, he says, no, it is I. Be not afraid. It is I. Now, aren't those good words in the midst of your trouble? Be not afraid, it is I. And Peter, much like Peter always was, opens his big mouth and often inserts foot. Peter began to say, Lord, if it's thou, let me walk on the water too. Bid me to walk on the water. And I always pictured people, Peter stepping out of that boat. Peter begins to step out of that boat and sure enough, Peter starts walking on water. And the Bible says he wanted to go where Jesus was. And I always pictured in my mind this. Peter's walking over to where Jesus is. And Jesus over there. And Peter begins to see the waves around him. The Bible says he saw it was boisterous. He begins to look at the winds and the waves around him. And all of a sudden he's like, oh no, what am I doing out here? And the Bible says Peter begins to sink. And in my mind, Brother Kevin, I begin to fill in the blanks of the story. And here's what I always pictured. Jesus is over here. Peter is over there. Peter begins to sink. We'll let this be because it's a shorter run. Peter is over here. You kind of look like Peter too. And uh, Peter's over here. Jesus sees Peter sinking And then here's what Jesus does. Jesus, whether he runs or whether he beams him up Scotty and teleports over here, he gets to where Peter is. And he says, Peter, I got you. But that's not what your Bible said. Your Bible said this. Peter began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And what's that next word? Somebody just said it. What's that word? And what? What did you say it? He did what? And and what's that word again? Before that, and. And immediately. Okay, right there. Stop there. And what? And immediately. And immediately. Did y'all catch that? Can I use you, sir? Can you stand up for a second? What's your name? Ravi. Ravi? Like ravioli. Oh, like ravioli. I like you already. All right. (laughs) We can shut the service down right now. We got ravioli in the building. (laughs) Ravi, can I use you for a minute? Can you just stand up here? Now watch this. Your Bible said, Peter begins to sink. And the next words were, and what? Immediately. Immediately. Jesus did what? He stretched forth his hand and did what? 
caught him. Now think with me. This is deep. This is deep, Brother Ferry. We've been talking about doctrine. This is deep now. If I'm right here and he's over there, can I immediately stretch forth my hand and catch him? Can I now? This is a smart crowd. Some of you are like, I was told there would be no questions in church tonight. Some of you are doing calculus equations in your mind. Could he go, go get an arm? Could I now? So your Bible says, Peter began to sink and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. So you're telling me Peter was drowning within arm's length of the master of the sea. Immediately, he stretched forth his hand and caught him. I'm going to preach to you tonight. Thank you, Ravi. I want to preach to you tonight on this simple subject. So close, but so far away. So close, but so far away. Father, I sure do need you tonight. My, oh my, how your presence has, I believe, already been here. I need it to abide here. I need you to touch this preacher. I cannot do it. I will never do your word justice. Father, tonight I pray that you touch your servant once again. God, make do something eternal tonight. Lord, show yourself in a tangible way in this place. And we might see the power of God fall and change hearts and change lives tonight. If we've ever needed you before, we need you now. We pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. So close, but so far away. Many don't know this about me, but I was, I was a very avid swimmer when I was a young man. Matter of fact, uh, when I went to high school, in my grade nine year, we had swim class every day. I did not go to a Christian uh, high school for that first year of high school. And we were... Everybody was mandatory that we'd have a swim class. And we understand that swim class, every day in swim class, we'd get in there, it was second hour of the day, we'd get into swim class. And then all of a sudden, we, we'd have to, for, to start off the day, we'd have 20 minutes swim just to start off, 20 minutes. Now, those of you that don't think that's a lot, you've never done it before. Some of you say, well, I think I could do that. It's hard for you to go from one side of the kiddie pool to the other side. 20 minutes straight, and that was just the beginning of class, swimming after swimming after swimming. As a matter of fact, I believe I lost about 40 pounds that year just from swimming alone. 
In that swim class, my teacher, Mr. Hanneman, he came up uh, to another young man and I, I believe his name was Nathan, if I remember it right, and he came to Nathan and I. We were the best swimmers and the strongest swimmers and the fastest swimmers in that class. He said, Calvin and Nathan, I want you fellas, I want you to take the lifeguarding course that we offer at the school here. And Nathan went on to do the lifeguarding course, and I didn't do it because it would have changed too many of the hours and too many of the electives that I wanted around, and I had some other things, and I just, I just couldn't become the lifeguard that he wanted me to be. Many of you know, and if, if you know the Faith Men Quartet, you're familiar with Brother Jeff Schultz. He's a, the one with the, uh, with the lightest colored hair, with the white hair. And Brother Jeff, and of course, he's been friends of ours and been singing together for so many years. Brother Jeff spent his summers as a lifeguard, as a young man. And if you were to begin to study drowning tonight, you would find out some facts about drowning that you probably never knew existed. And here Peter was drowning within, I mean, within arm's length of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is Peter drowning I want you to understand some things about drowning that you probably never knew. Do you know that most drowning is the second leading cause of death of young people between the ages of 10 and 14? The second leading cause of death. As a matter of fact, the only thing that causes more death to young people than drowning is car accidents. But I want you to understand this fact, and it blew me away as I began to study it. Most young people drown within five feet of their parents. Staggered me. And I thought, this can't be true. But then I thought about the times in my life where I've had to save young people and oftentimes they're so close to their parents and the parents are just kind of uh, 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 not really not paying attention, but they're kind of swimming around doing their own thing and, and they don't even realize and, and they don't even know the signs. That young person can be so close, but they can be so far away. Now I may be talking to somebody here tonight that those around you are looking out and they're saying, oh, we don't see anything wrong. Everything seems fine. They're close to us. They're in church. I mean, they're here on a, Wednesday, on a Monday night. I almost lost track of my days. They're here on a Monday night at a revival meeting. Surely everybody in here tonight must be spiritually okay. I mean, look at them. They look fine and they look like everything's all right. And they may teach a Sunday school class and maybe they even sang tonight. Maybe they're a deacon in the church or maybe they're a leader in the church or maybe that's the young person that everybody respects in the church. But I want you to know tonight it is possible to be that close and it be as if you were a million miles away. Many of us don't realize the very person next to us could be drowning in our presence. The very person down the pew or that man in the church that you respect and you think, man, if there's one person in the church that's going to make it in the Christian life, it's going to be that man. 
If there's one lady that's going to make it for God, it's going to be that one. Boy, if there's one young person, I've, I've had people look at young people that have come through our church and I said, man, that young man's on fire for God. If anybody's going to make it, it's going to be that one. Boy, that girl over there, and boy, I can trust her, and I can give her responsibility, and it seems like, boy, she's just doing right, and, and she's involved, and, and maybe she does the master's clubs, and maybe she works on the bus route, and boy, everything just looks great. Sometimes they're the very ones that are drowning in our midst. And sometimes those of you in this room tonight, that everything looks great. The truth is, if we could watch your spiritual life, you are 10,000 miles away from this place. It is so possible to be that close. The children of Israel were that close to Moses, and they were worshiping a false god, and they created a golden calf. And they hear they were worshiping and, and, and the sound of war was coming out and they were naked and they were, they were, they were worshiping a form of a, a false god, a cow out of Egypt. And they were so close. They were so far away. I think a time, a time in the scriptures, Peter, who followed afar off, he followed the Lord Jesus Christ afar off. Now, thank God he at least followed him a little bit. But here Peter was in the same circumstances that he was uh, with, uh, that he was with the, uh, by the fire here that he was over there. He was so close to Jesus. I mean, he was right there. He could literally see him to the point that when Jesus walked through that judgment hall, that he locked eyes with him. And he still denied him. Judas, could you imagine? Judas... Brother Ravi, Judas was not this far away. Judas, and aren't you glad I'm not using you for this illustration? He was this far away, and I won't, trust me. Could you imagine kissing the door to heaven and going to hell? And listen to me very carefully tonight. For some of you that do not know for sure that if you were to die and go to heaven... You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Can I tell you, you will not be closer than you are right now in a Bible-preaching church. And wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it be terrible? Wouldn't it be heartbreaking for you to come to a church like this that could show you from the Bible? We could literally show you right now that you're a sinner and that there's a price for your sin. But there's a Savior that we sang about that wants to save your soul. And if you trust him tonight and by faith claim him as your Savior, you could be saved. Wouldn't it be tragic tonight for you to hear this gospel message and to be so close? Yet to be so far away from salvation. And I've preached funerals and sang in funerals. One in particular that I'll never forget. In all of my days, I don't think I could ever forget this conversation at a bedside. We had prayed for this man in our church for over 30 years. His daughters had gone to high school with me and they'd gone to Bible college with me and they loved the Lord and his son was saved and his wife was saved and she even worked on a bus route. She's in her 80s right now and she still works a bus route. And I had done some work for him back in the day. I'm the only one at the church that he ever liked. He would answer the phone at home like this. 
What do you want? And that's not even an exaggeration. That's probably toned down. What do you want? I'm saying, well, I'm not, I forgot what I wanted now. And then he would go on his little tirades, but he liked me because I did some work for them. I was going to go to a youth conference. And I needed to earn some money, and I'd, I'd, I'd refinished some dressers and things for him and, and uh, stripped the wax off and restained re and varnished a bunch of dressers and tables for him. And so he, he liked me because I had done some work for him. He knew I had the good work ethic at least. And about that time, he was about to die his body was riddled with cancer, and his wife called me, and she said, Brother Calvin, she said, could you come? You're the only one he'll listen to. I mean, we sent, we sent some of the best pastors that we knew of, some of the greatest soul winners in the world that we knew of. We sent them over there. And he wouldn't hear any of them. She said, Brother Allen, would you come? Would you come and tell him how to be saved? You're the only one who'll listen to. And I came to that hospital room that day. And when I was praying, and I was begging God and begging God and begging God to save old Pat. I came into his room that day. I had my New Testament. I said, Pat, I said, we've witnessed you before time and time again. I said, Pat, I went to the gospel. Can I explain the gospel to you one more time? Pat said, sure. Matter of fact, he just, he just nodded his head. He didn't say any words. He just went. And I sat beside Pat there on his bed, and I began to show him the verses of the Bible. I leaned over and showed him the verses. I wasn't sitting, but I was leaning over. I was almost seated on his bed. I began to show him those gospel verses and verse after verse. And I said, do you understand? He said, yes, I understand that. And I said, do you understand it? Yes, I understand it. Do you understand that? Yes, I understand that. And I said, Pat, wouldn't you like to be saved today? Here's what Pat said, some other time. They had literally already told him, you've got less than 24 hours to live. He said, some other time. And I, and I, didn't, know that, I didn't know what to do, to be honest with you. I'd never had anybody say that to me. I'd just led men on, on their deathbeds to Christ before that. I'd never had anybody say this. And all I knew to do, Brother Baker, all I knew to do was to get on my knees beside his bed. And I said, Pat, wouldn't you like to get saved? I said, your mother's, your, your wife is praying for you. Your daughters are praying for you. Your sons are praying for you. Our church is praying for you. The pastor's praying. I'm praying. Wouldn't you like to be saved? And Pat said, some other time. Man, my heart began to break, and, I heard, and then all of a sudden I heard his wife. And she said, Pat, Pat, there is no other time. Pat, there is no other time. You could hear it in her voice. She's weeping, and I'm weeping. He said, both of you, out right now. We just began to weep, and I held this precious wife as we walked out into the hallway. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I prayed with her and walked away, and, and about 12 hours later, I got the little text that said, Pat's gone. And I wonder how many people in this world have been this close to the gospel. And went to hell 
Wonder if there's somebody in the room tonight that you've heard about Jesus and you've heard there's a gospel and you saw us singing and you saw us shouting and you saw us fall on the altar in appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're sitting in the very room where you could be saved tonight, but you are so close, but so far away. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like King Agrippa. Paul began to witness the King Agrippa. And Agrippa, at the end of his conversation, Agrippa says, oh, Paul, almost, you almost got me, Paul. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Can I say if you're here tonight, if you are almost saved, you are altogether lost. There is no 50% saved. There's no 60% saved. There's no 99.9% saved. There is either you are saved or you are lost. You are in the light or you are in total darkness. Either you are condemned already or you are free from the law of sin and death. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, this would be a great night. This would be a great day for you to just let Jesus reach out and save you tonight. Might I say the same thing to those of you that are saved and need revival, but you want to go on playing the game. You want to go on living like you got revival. You just want to look like you got revival. You want to look like God's people. But listen, tonight, there's somebody in here. You may be ready to leave your wife, or you may be ready to leave church, or you may be ready to give up on Bible reading and give up on prayer, or give up fighting the sin that's almost caused you to go under, or give in to discouragement or depression. Can I tell you tonight, this would be a great night if you just reach out because he's so close to you tonight maybe you're like Felix Peter began to witness to Felix and here's what Felix said I'll call for you at a more convenient time and I believe Felix may be in hell tonight still looking for a convenient time to get saved This is why the Bible says, now, now, did you hear that word? Now is the accepted time. Behold, now, today is a day of salvation. Paul put it this way. Salvation is more nearer today than it's ever been. And for some of you, it may never be this close again. For some of you, for some of you Christians tonight, this may be the last revival that God deals with your heart about what he's been dealing with you about. He said all the way back in Genesis chapter 6, my spirit will not always strive with man. We take for granted all the time. Well, God, he'll just keep convicting me and he'll just keep convicting me and he'll just keep working on me and he'll just keep working on me and he'll keep giving me something. Listen, God is merciful and he's long suffering, but there comes a day where he says, we're done with it. Some of you need to get right with God tonight. Stop wanting to look like you're close and start getting close to them. Stop wanting to look like you're a man of prayer or a woman of prayer or somebody who loves Jesus and let God do something deep down in your soul because he is close to you tonight because his word is close and his spirit is close and his people are close and you can get some help tonight. You notice something else about drowning. The Bible says this. We can understand this about drowning. Drowning people always look like they're upright. We don't think that, do we? I'm trying to go into the whole story tonight, but what we used to do, Brother Fury, is we would act like we were drowning at the local pool. See, back in the day, I could hold my breath for almost three minutes. 
Two, two minutes and 43 seconds was the longest I ever held my breath. And I would act like I was drowning to the people that were lifeguarding. They hated me. I'd sit in there and I'd sit and I'd, I'd be there for a minute and I'd be doing the dead man's float is what we used to call it. And I'd be down there and they'd be watching me for a minute and like this idiot. But then after like a minute and a half, they're like. After two minutes, I mean, they're throwing off their clothes, throwing off their cell phones, getting ready to dive into this thing. I've had them blow the horn, dive into the water, grab a hold of me for me to come up and go, <laughs> smack, <laughs> get out of the pool. But do you know how drowning people usually look? Just like this. They look upright. See, it's not the people in the church sometimes that everybody knows are limping along that are in the most danger. It's some of you that look like everything's great. You're in the most danger. You know it. God knows it. And you need to get some help tonight. Matter of fact, not only, preacher, do they, do they stand upright. They tell us if you were to be able to look under the water, here's what they're doing. They look like they're climbing stairs. I'm talking to some of you religious people tonight that are trying to climb some invisible spiritual ladder at the church. Maybe, maybe, if, I, maybe if they invite me to be a deacon, I'll, 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 I'll look like I'm not drowning. Maybe if I get promoted, maybe the pastor really likes me and he lets me close in prayer, open in prayer. And I'm telling you, many of us, we're so satisfied. We're trying to look like everything's right. But Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said, there comes a point where you become a whited sepulcher and you're full of dead men's bones. And if you ever want help from God, you've got to say, oh, God, I need some help. I'm dying on the inside. My walk with God is nothing. And my, listen, this is why we're not having revival, because we can't even get God's people to be honest and say we're drowning. We're in help. Everybody wants revival, but nobody wants to even admit that they need revival. Tell me how that's going to work. They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. If we can't even admit that we need the great physician, how in the world is he going to send revival? Well, we're climbing that ladder, aren't we? As long as we're the ones that get the solo, everything still looks good. As long as we get called on a preacher boy night, oh, it still looks good. As long as we get to keep that Sunday school class, we look good, don't we? Oh, my friend, it'd be better for you to say, hey, I need some help. And for you to climb some imaginary spiritual ladder to impress everybody else. Understand this about drowning. They get a distant look in their eyes. They become very quiet. Many of you think, here's how we think. We think a drowning person is going to say, help. Do you know what your body does when it starts to drown? If your body comes up for air, it knows automatically, don't waste your time screaming. Take in the air. And so oftentimes you'll see somebody drowning. There's a famous meme out there, and there's a little girl, and she's coming up out of the water, and she is drowning. And she just looks like her mouth is open. And it's like, because that's what your body will look like. Because it's all you can do to get that next breath. You don't even have time to scream. Your body won't let you scream. We often hear this statement in churches. The squeaky wheel gets the... 
but it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes there's no squeak and the ball bearings just go out one day or they grind and the wheels fall off. Preacher, you've been pastoring, I don't know for how many years and in the ministry for many more years than that. How many people have we seen their lives seemingly out of nowhere just blow up? You know why? Because there's some people in here tonight, the wheels are getting ready to fall off. Listen, I, I get texts from people all the time that I'm telling you it would blow your mind. The people that say, pray for me. My marriage is on the rocks. Pray for me. My kids just ran away from home. Pray for me. We're about to go under. We're about to be bankrupt. And my wife doesn't even know. It's not always the squeaky wheels that are in trouble. Because I have been in church services Man, I'm going to tell you, there was one message I was sitting in one time, Brother Fury, and I was, so, I was so desperate for some help. I mean, literally, I believe that night my ministry was hinged on that meeting. And I'm telling you, and the preacher, was, he, was, he was giving an illustration that night, and he said, some of you sitting in this room tonight, he said, you're like that cup. And you're like that cup that's filled with water. And one more drop. And it's all going to spill out. There may be somebody here tonight, and you may be the most respected person in this church, but you and God know that if one more thing happens, everything's going to blow. I mean, I'm telling you, I was sitting there. This was about seven years ago. I was sitting there hurting. And man, I began, he said that, and I, man, I began to weep. I hit that altar so fast that night. I said, oh, God, it's me he's talking about. It's me. God, I need some help. I can't tell you how many times I've thanked that man, Brother Mark Stroud, for preaching that sermon that night. I said, brother, you have no idea. I looked the part. I sang that night. I shouted with everybody else. I went forward on the spontaneous altar call. Everything looked like it was going fine. But one more drop that night, and I would have been done for. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe that's you. Can I say to you, here's your hope. Here's your hope. Lord, save me it's not fancy the thief on the cross didn't get saved for praying a fancy prayer he got saved just by saying remember me and some of you tonight you're on your way to hell you know it you're not saved can I tell you the greatest thing you could do tonight Lord save me. You know what Satan doesn't want you? He doesn't want you to get saved. He wants you to drown just like Judas. He wants you to kiss the door to heaven and go to hell. He wants you to say almost that preacher, that preacher almost got me tonight. He wants to say, he wants you to say, ah, oh, I'll call for you at a more convenient time. I wonder how many a person has left a revival meeting and went off into eternity because they thought they had another day, another week, another month, another year. And I wonder how many of us Christians thought, well, I'll just do it some other time. I know I'm hurting right now. Listen, now, here's what happened when Peter said, Lord, save me. I'm just going to mention these and we'll pray. And we'll see what the Lord does. 
When Peter said, Lord, save me, here's what happened. His fears were squashed. Jesus, the first thing he said is, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Now, I'm telling you, some of you tonight are scared about getting right with the Lord. I don't know what this person's going to think, and I don't know. Here's what we're going to say. Amen and hallelujah. Oh, boy, if I get saved tonight, what's my girlfriend going to think? What's my boyfriend going to think? What's the preacher going to think? We're going to say amen and hallelujah tonight. That's the devil that's put you fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I said his fears were squashed. Watch this. His faith was strengthened. Jesus said, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Here's what some of you are saying tonight. I don't know if God could ever use me again. Can I answer that for you? Yes. Yes. Well, you don't know my past. You don't know what your future could be. Oh, but I'm sorry. I messed up everything. He does a pretty good job at cleaning up mess ups. Because I'm one of the ones that he's still working on my mess ups. But you got to say, Lord, save me. Stop trying to fight it on your own. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. And get a hold of Jesus Christ and don't let him go tonight. Said his faith was strengthened and lastly, his future, his future was secured. See, Jesus had some things he wanted Peter to do. He wanted him to preach. He wanted him to strengthen his brethren one day. He wanted him to pastor churches. He wanted him to give his very life for him someday. And I'm going to tell you, if some of you would just call out and get a hold to him, he could give you a future He could renew hope in your life. He could change your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you don't mind, Pastor, is it all right if I sing for invitation? Is that all right? I wonder if you'd say this tonight, Brother Allen, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's been a time and a place where I got saved. If you are, can say that with honesty tonight, not lying, that's me. Here, here's my hand, Brother Allen. I need to be saved. I, I'm saved. I'm saved already. Is there anybody like that tonight? Don't worry about anybody next to you. Don't worry about anybody inside of you. You focus on you and God right now. I'm saved. You may put your hands down all across this room. I saw several that could not raise a hand. We love you here. We want you to be saved. We want you to have a date like mine was March 21st, 1993, when I got saved. If you don't have a date, man, we sure would love to pray for God to save you tonight. I wonder if you're here tonight and say, Brother Allen, I don't know for sure if I were to die, go to heaven, but I'm so close right now. I want to reach out and I want to ask him to save me. Is there anybody like that tonight? Brother Allen, here's my hand. I need to be saved. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. I'll just say thank you, just like I did to the people before you, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate your hand. Who else tonight? Wouldn't it be a shame for you to be so close to the message of the gospel and say, I don't need that. I don't, that's just, 
Who else? I'm joining that one that raised her hand. I need to be saved. I don't know for sure if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. I need to be saved. Is there anybody else tonight? Thank you, ma'am, for your hand. Thank you, sister. Who else tonight? I need to know that I know that I'm saved. Thank you, young man. I appreciate your honesty. Anybody else tonight? I need to be saved. Can I tell you this? Raising your hand is not good enough. You need Jesus Christ. You need to trust him tonight. And there may be somebody that may be willing to show you from the word of God how you can know for sure that if you were to die, you go to heaven. And we'd hate for you to walk out of here unsure of your salvation. And I pray that you'll be honest enough tonight to say, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to let somebody show me how to be saved. I'll not call you out. I don't know your names. But you are that close. You are within the arm's length of salvation tonight. Let the Lord save you. Father, we thank you for the honesty of your people. And I know tonight if I were to ask who's, who's Lord, there, there's all kinds of decisions that need to be made across this auditorium tonight. And I pray that you would have your will and way here. In these next few moments, may you get the glory. May those who are not saved grab a hold of the pastor or the, his wife, the youth pastor, and say, I need to be saved. We'll thank you for anything that happens for your glory and your sake. In Jesus' name, amen.